Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Today, as always, I am joined by my co-host, the Neo of online, perhaps the chosen one himself, the host of Jack AM. Thank you so much for joining us today. To be called the Neo of anything is really, you know, nice, uh, so long as it doesn't have, you know, the the, the phrase Nazi after it. I do like being called the <laughs> Neo, like the Matrix Neo. I do like that. And thank you all for joining us once again on Struggle Session. Make sure to uh, like, subscribe, give us those five-star ratings on iTunes, and very importantly, head to sesh.show. You can do it on your phone, sesh.show. Leave us a voicemail. We will be doing a voicemail answer episode coming up. We just need a couple more voicemails to come in. So please give us your thoughts, your opinions, your questions, your takes. This is a chance for you to make your voice your your voice heard on, frankly, the greatest uh, pop culture podcast that there is. Best one going right now. You know, maybe there was a better one in history, but you know, as of right now, this is all you got, folks. Oh yeah, this is the best. And if you want even more struggle session, of course, you gotta check us out on Sesh Plus, Sesh Plus, or Patreon.com/struggle session, or struggle session.substack.com. Any of those places. Five bucks a month gives you tons of bonus episodes and content, including a recent episode uh, of what we were, we were. I was calling it the Alan Moore podcast, but I figured maybe Alan Moore is going to start a podcast. So I, I kind of want to back away from that. But we're going to call it now. Struggle Session presents Alan Moore. I like that. Very oh, I like that. I like that. Struggle like Session that. presents Alan Moore. Yeah, that's a, that's good. That's classy. That's classy. And the episode, uh, our recent episode was one very interesting one where we talked about V for Vendetta, uh, amazing comic book with Robbie Martin of Media, uh, Media Roots Radio. And also uh, this comic book called Brought to Light by Alan Moore and Bill Sikowitz about the CIA's history of arms trafficking and drug dealing. 100% real and absolutely mind blowing. It's great. I got a copy. It's like a. It's like a. It's a. It's a kind of hard comic to get, but it has yeah. great Bill Sinkowitz art, um, and yeah, it's all about um, the real, true history of the CIA. Um, you know, as is being told to you by uh, a, a drinking, you know, bald eagle, <laughs> you know, representing America and the CIA. Yeah, that's on your bonus feed as well as a recent episode on uh, professional wrestling that I did with uh, Brian from Street Fight where we talked about uh, AEW, which is this new company on the rise, and what is looking like might actually be the eventual downfall of Vincent Kennedy McMahon himself and the WWE. It's still very early, Jack, but wow. they, like, it, like, but AEW is pretty, fairly close to beating WWE in the ratings. They're beating them in the, wow. the demos, the all-important demos, Jack. I know you know how important the oh, demos are. Oh, I know are. all about the demos. you kidding me? I know, already, I know everything about the demos. They're already clobbering them in the demos. Wow. But, uh, but, and the funny thing is that 
Vince is trying to now finally, like, after, like, legitimately being beaten, he's, like, he's released so many wrestlers, let so many people go who were extremely talented with no concern because he thought he just had the monopoly on the industry Mm -hmm. and nothing could get to him. But now, like, just in the past week, he started to, like, scramble to change things around. And Jack, let me tell you, one of the things that he changed, because he's been changing up the script of the show at the Mm -hmm. last minute, um, so this past weekend was 9-11, the 20th anniversary sure. of 9-11. Oh, yeah, yeah, We all, we all had a big, there, you know, what, a, and what a great anniversary of 9-11 it was with Trump doing the Triller fight and well, what a good well, time. We're going to get into that a little bit, but I want, I want to talk about Vince first, because what Vince was supposed to do, uh, was there was a wrestler named Zelina Vega, whose father, uh, died, uh, in the attacks. Um, uh, I, I think he, he worked in the building and... Every time they go to New York, she usually has like a little tribute moment for him. And on Friday night, WWE had this big uh, show in Madison Square Garden. They were highly promoted. It was on Fox. It was live. Mm -hmm. And they had been promoting this Zelina Vega 9-11 tribute match for her father. Even in like local press, she was like giving interviews and shit. Good Lord. And they cut it from the show. Because they're trying to scramble to uh, beat AEW. Wow. Jeez. Well, you know, hey, it's all about it's all about what what plays. You know what I mean? It is what it is. You gotta kill your babies. That's what they say. <laughs> you, know, you gotta kill your babies uh, when you're doing this kind of stuff. And yeah, you did mention Trump. Uh, me and you, uh, this you texted me. Uh, I think we we were texting on Saturday, and we were like, "Are you watching the Trump?" <laughs> Yes, we were Uh, talking about whether or not we were going to do a show on Saturday, and I was like, let's skip, I'm going to watch the Trump fight, and you're like, I'm watching the Trump fight too, you know? Uh, So to be clear, Trump did not fight himself, Sure, (laughs) sure. It was, but it was Trump calling the the Evander-Holyfield fight, and and Leslie, you know, I've been talking about it, I'm like, this is... It was such a bizarre and surreal night of of programming, even outside of Trump, you oh, know, yeah. calling the fight. Like everything about it was just so grim and bizarre. Yeah. So Triller Fight is this I don't even know what to call it. Like people are mostly calling it like some kind of Ponzi scheme, some sort of scam, yeah. like some. I guess they don't make thing. any money because everyone pirates their fights or something like that. Yeah. Everybody pirates their fights like they tried to the, the, like, um get into like meme culture and hip hop culture, but like nobody wants to pay fifty dollars to like like no none of the like to watch 19 Jake year Paul old fight yeah, like a exactly. UFC guy. Yeah. Yeah. So the main event was Vitor Belfour versus Evander Holyfield. A match that a lot of people question whether it should be legal or not because <laughs> Evander Holyfield is nearly sixty years old. He's a fifty eight year old man and like yes he's in good shape, but he is like Oh, amazing shape, man. but... You know, like, you he's know? an old man. Like, he's nearly 60. It really was very grim, the entire thing, you I know? I mean, for, I'll, I will say, even though this show is called what you would call in MMA circles or boxing circles a freak show fight, it seems sincere from Holyfield that he was sure. trying to really trying to prove something. I've seen stuff like I this agree. where it was clearly like somebody was just doing it for the money. It actually seemed like a Vander Holyfield. Yes, but bullying. in the end, it was in yeah. the end, it was like he was almost falling over from like throwing punches. Like when yeah. we finally got to the fight, it's like he like would swing and then stumble. He like fell almost out of the ring. It was just not 
not to spoil the title card for anybody, but they called it after less than a round because yeah. Holyfield just like looked dead already. He didn't even like get hit yet, and he was like falling. Yeah, he wasn't KO'd yet. He was still talking, still cognizant, but the ref thankfully saw enough yeah. and called it um the Anderson I agree Silva- I'm like I, at the very least I'm I'm, I'm I'm people were like booing and stuff but I'm like that ref saw a man about to die yeah and was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna officiate this yeah that was basically the best case scenario I can possibly imagine so I'm, I'm just thankful for that yeah. Anderson Silva though yeah whew, smoked Tito Ortiz. Like, oh, I can't yeah. even. That yeah. he he looked like someone who was playing as Muhammad Ali in a video game. <laughs> he just like was dodging and weaving. Clear, you know, a uh, fucking rope dope. Clearly, oh yeah, most, it was very funny. Yeah. Ortiz like came out swinging so fast and was like getting himself tired so quickly. And then it was one punch man. You know, it was just like <laughs> Silva just like was able to get in one punch and knocked this man out, like just completely put him to the ground. And we were able to watch all this bizarrely, Leslie, oh. with a man who was president within this calendar year. Of the United like States. eight months ago was the president of the United States calling this fight like also just not that not that knowledgeable about boxing. <laughs> like kind of just like piggybacking on what the other guys he was with. Who, by the way, there's Trump. Sitting at like a hotel ballroom table with like the like black skirt on it with like this guy with like an MMA fighter. Yeah, named Jorge Junior. Masvidal. Yeah, uh, Junior. Uh, Junior. Uh, I forget his name. Maybe Junior Silva. Was it Junior or Dos Santos? I yes, forget I which think it's Junior Dos Santos. Junior yeah. Dos Santos and. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, but before that, I think you missed some of the early part. Jack. I did miss like the first hour. Right, yeah. So let me. So the the first hour is very interesting because. They did bring Trump out fairly early on, and he sounded exhausted. He sounded yeah. like he did not want to be there. Was he had flown to New York in the morning to go meet with like the nine eleven officers or just see cops, pretty much, and then like flew back to a giant um, guitar in Hollywood, Florida, <laughs> to call a boxing match. And it was, and he sounded exhausted, like he didn't want to be there. Junior was geeked. Junior was pumped. He was so <laughs> excited to be there. But Trump was dead, and I was actually like disappointed. Was saying to people like, "Hey, if you hate Trump, you should watch this because he sounds miserable and he's a bad commentator too. He really like he's been to a lot of fights, but he doesn't yeah. actually understand anything he, about the. He sport got excited after all. the Silva fight. He did get like excited after the Silva fight, but I felt like it was mostly because he could. We knew he could get to go homer. Earlier. Like he actually made a comment after it. He's like, "Oh, this will be great because now the main fight is going to be in prime time, just what everyone wants." And I'm like, "You're just saying like, oh, we're going to get out of here a little <laughs> earlier." That's like the one thing that puts some pep in your step. That was part of it, but the other part is, and I swear to God, Jack, the main thing that Trump kept thinking about and obsessing over, and it kind of got him into the commentary booth, into the spirit was talking about how attractive the fighters are. Yeah, and he was talking like, all the time about like, wow, he's really buff. He's looking really, really good. He's hot. He's like, he's really hot. He is. And he said this multiple times with legitimate uh, confusion in his voice. So like, this is the really, realest Trump ever was. He kept saying, I, I was at this boxing fight and I saw this guy. He came out. He looked beautiful. He looked beautiful. And he, and he lost. And he lost. He looked beautiful and he lost. Trump just does not understand why the hottest guy yeah. doesn't win every fight. Yeah. And I swear to God, as soon as Jorge That's how he Mas- feels about the election, too. He's like, <laughs> I was hotter. <laughs> I mean, fair. I, I honestly think so. I honestly think. 
I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to even make that comparison. Well, well, whatever. But as soon as Jorge Masvidal got out there and sat next to Trump, once the MMA like actual commentators left and like the actual MMA fighters got there, Trump started getting really into it. He like started telling his stories, (laughs) trying to impress Jorge. Big strong guys. He really does. He loves it more than anything else. He was so pissed off when he was with the nerds, but when the like actual (laughs) fighters came out and started hanging out with him, and both of these guys are like MAGA guys, like committed MAGA guys and trump yeah. was talking about oh jorge we did all these big things together he helped me win miami we won miami by 30 points republicans never d- ever done that before yeah <laughs> yes yes yeah it's, no he he's in his element around big buff guys you know trump what trump would trump would love spending time with the justice league you know trump uh trump just likes to be around big buff manly men I swear to God, if he, he had purchased, if he had stolen the UFC instead of the uh, Fratelli brothers, my, we, he never would have gone after becoming president. He would have just I been know. like Dana White and been extremely happy with that. He could have bought a football team. Did he ever try to buy a football team? He tried to do the USFL thing. There's that whole story that I don't oh, know yeah, that much right. about. I think it's. I think he got mad that a football team wouldn't let him buy it or something yeah. like that. And so he started the USFL. I yeah, think I know that happened goes. to Limbaugh. I know it happened to Limbaugh. Just let these men buy their football team. Yeah, they, I know. They, if they had just let him buy an NFL team, he'd just be another of the horrible racist NFL owners. Yeah. See it him sitting like, in the fucking front row. God. That's like containment. Like letting the worst <laughs> people in the world run. I mean, obviously horrible for the players, but by God, at least, yeah. you know, yeah. you're containing it a little bit. It's better They're not than becoming the, the president. Yes, yes. Or They're even like Limbaugh president. with his politics, you know, like he, yeah. I, I would much rather him have just run a football team honestly, than <laughs> put on his radio show. I mean, that just was a, a, a really wild event, Leslie. You know, they also had they also had fucking they had a video of Snoop Dogg like like dancing along to Marvin Gaye. They like put Snoop Dogg into like 1960s footage of Marvin Gaye. Just really bizarre. I mean. Mario Lopez was also hosting like basically a long not like next to Trump, but like like it would go from Trump to like Mario Lopez. It just was bizarre. Really strange because he really plugged in there. But there, like you said, like this event is pitched at like young black people a lot like like it's MAGA and like young black kids <laughs> who are like supposed to be the ones and like MMA guys uh, which obviously has a huge reaction yeah. element but like it tries to do like there was an extended all Spanish musical segment yeah. I wonder how the Trump voters who tuned in <laughs> felt about that that man did two two and a half songs it's all true, in, in full like rapping in Spanish really wild just bizarre like I said Leslie I I felt like watching this and I felt this way a lot, but this was the most like unfiltered, just raw Verhoeven TV I've ever seen in my life. Like you get the shades of like, wow, this is like watching TV in the background of a Verhoeven movie. But this was like four fucking hours (laughs) of just like mainlining Verhoeven surreality future. Oh, it was a lot of fun. And I think. Uh, maybe the most the wildest moment was when a woman interrupted the 10 count for 9-11 to i think she was screaming at trump i i think i I think i read about it after leslie i thought the same as you i thought she was being like fuck you to trump i think she apparently people online said she was yelling anti-mask stuff she was like screaming about having to wear a mask oh my god what 
I mean, uh, but just to set the scene, everybody, <laughs> they announced that Do- President Donald Trump is there and that they're going to do a moment of silence for for the victims of 9-11. And so for the moment of silence, they're ringing like the boxing bell. They're like ringing it. And so it's like got this bizarre quality of like death of like funeral bells or something like that. And then some woman starts screaming out from the tra- crowd and you hear like swear words. She's like, fuck you, fuck this and that. And then the whole crowd starts erupting like a few people. People start shrieking at her, then a few more. And we're seeing footage of like Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. pretending and standing silently while the whole crowd (laughs) is like erupting into like a fight with each other. Uh, It was really a beautiful thing to witness. Uh, And it's exactly what we deserve on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I couldn't think of anything better. (laughs) <laughs> there's no honestly i i, I can't I, uh, my feeling when I, this 9-11 was just thinking often about how much the 9-11 hijackers won how <laughs> completely they routed us with that attack and got basically everything that they wished would happen and uh what we look like 20 years later is is just absolutely bizarre <laughs> All right, moving on. Well, Jack, it, not all of it is so bizarre because even though it's 20 years later, we're still making the same fucking movies. Um, everybody's talking about it, everybody's excited for it, so I'm not trying to be a buzzkill. Yeah. But the thing we are all, all, we are all super pumped about is the sequel to The Matrix. Sure. Uh, the pre-9-11 movie. Now, listen, Leslie, I, I wanna, I'll say here that I... I'm very excited for the movie. I'm very, very excited. I think it's going to be a really good movie. Um, you know, I didn't love, love the trailer. Um, and I think some of that is just because of how they cut trailers to feel super rebooty. But it just, if it wasn't Lena Wachowski directing this, I could say this probably about everything about it. But I would have felt like that tra- that trailer kind of looked a little bit ghostbusters afterlifey to me you know but uh but i i still have a real i still have a you know a strong belief that this movie is going to be good and i'm still very excited for it i just have to be honest that the full trailer not the teaser was kick-ass the full trailer was just a little bit it had a lot of that rebooty stuff in it to me to me that's all yeah i can I definitely see that. I definitely understand that. I kind of feel that like there was some stuff that seemed interesting. Like I'll go see it. I'll go see it in the movie theaters. Well, it, I'm seeing I, it, this fucker like the second I can. Honestly, yeah, it looks, I'm so it looks, excited. It looks good, but I wish this was not the thing I was most excited about. This should be like the bonus. This should yeah. be like the second. This should be like the third or fourth. You know movie i'm most excited for not like if it wasn't lana wachowski like you know if 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 it was not and and of course everything about this would be bad if it wasn't lana wachowski doing it but i even believe leslie that some of the stuff that i that i'm like man it looks a little more like modern and washed out and it doesn't have the green and stuff and it feels a little rebooty some of that i think actually might be like meta narrative in the movie because literally the matrix in the movie has been rebooted like that's the plot of the movie they're in a rebooted matrix and so i don't know i i'm very excited for it i you know we're not allowed i will never share my opinion about cloud atlas and i don't want to <laughs> talk about it but i will say that i think the wachowskis uh, aside from jupiter ascending um have never missed in my opinion um <laughs> so uh i'm just excited about it one thing i do want to talk 
talk about that annoyed me was that when people were asking where is Morpheus, where is Morpheus, people mm-hmm. kept responding to them as saying, Oh, Morpheus is dead, he died in the MMO. Last I checked, uh, Neo and Trinity died in the fucking movie. Okay, <laughs> so what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's kind of funny that uh, that if if Lana Wachowski is just being like, no, Morpheus is dead because he died in the MMO that people can't even play anymore, and we just are gonna be sticking with that continuity. I think that's kind of fun, but I also do think I agree but, with you, Leslie, that like people like correcting people about that i'm like well you don't that's just silliness yes. you know <laughs> like if lana wachowski comes out and is like no morpheus is dead because he died in the video game <laughs> then that's like part of it you know um i don't know though i i have given in and i've read some purported spoilers about the new matrix and so you know i won't be sharing any of them but uh i'm very excited for the movie i am and now this other trailer people are buzzing about so this new trailer for the web series for Hawkeye. So this is a Christmas web series they're doing of, of Hawkeye. I really thought this was a movie for a lot of what I was watching there, but they're doing a Christmas web web series with, with Hawkeye and his uh, daughter Hawkeye. Well, the reason why you, it kind of felt like a movie and kind of felt... It, and I actually think... Because it's all on Christmas. Yeah. You're going to make a whole series on Christmas? Well, it felt in particular in particular, like a Shane Black movie. And a lot of people are noticing that more or less Marvel uh, has just jacked his whole style. His, like, style? Like, everything is so Shane Um, Black-ish. I'm not the biggest Shane uh, Black fan in the world, but... I like some Shane Black. I like a little Shane Black here and there. But they owe him some money. I mean, he's literally made them, like, a billion dollars. And... Uh, I mean, it is true, like, Marvel's, like, weren't snarky until Iron Man 3. Like, they were just, they didn't have that kind of, like, pattern. I guess it's really, like, it's it's him and Joss who made it, like, nothing but fucking quips. (laughs) Like, the fully quipped out series. Yeah, but, I mean... To me, it sad to say, it actually looks kind of good because like there's no real superhero Marvel stuff in it. It just seems like a action movie. Now, as you, you point out, the problem it's going to be a fucking web series. I don't know. Maybe if the episodes are like 15 minutes long or something like that, but it seemed more like something that should be a nice tight 90 minute. Movie. I think that this is interesting. What the only thing that's interesting to me about this, and I don't really want to watch the show. I have a lot more arrow to watch. And so, you know, I'd probably get through the rest of arrow before I'd uh, even think about watching. This <laughs> it is very um, arrow. It maybe a it higher looks like arrow. arrow, which I know it's just a guy with an arrow, but it's another TV uh, show of a guy with an arrow. Um, what I think is most interesting about this is Disney is doing a six episode tv series that is specifically airing during december so they're like creating tv series events kind of based on what's happening on the calendar this is what's interesting to me about this is that this is a tv series that's all about christmas and is only and it's going to originally air like during the christmas season like that's a truly bizarre thing that you would not see typically like on television you don't ever see like the six episode Christmas special from, <laughs> you know, from this show. Like it is, I don't know. I, that's the only thing that strikes me as kind of unique about this is that when you do have like, well, kind of, you know, I guess in the UK, you kind of got it. in the UK, I guess 
the equivalent is they kind of do TV movie Christmas specials. Sure. Maybe. Yes. Yes. Like, like that's, but that's not, but that's so different than doing like, this is the first time we've had a Hawkeye show. And so like, they're like, okay, yeah. what if we did the Hawkeye Christmas special? What if the Hawkeye Christmas special was six episodes long? You know and what I mean? Like show. that's what's unique uh, about it is okay. like that. It's an entire show. That's a Christmas special, you yeah. know? Um, and that's, you couldn't basically do that pretty much. Like I feel like before everything was so vertically integrated, like if you are you can only do that when you're the studio and you're also doing the distribution because you know you can't really trust the other studio to actually air it during the Christmas time and there might be <laughs> notes and get pushed back and all this you can only do this when everyone's in the same building like we're gonna we're, we're good to go to distribute the Hawkeye Christmas web series during the month of December and we're gonna have it ready in time you know to air. Also, like movie star Jeremy Renner is showing up and doing all this green screen shit for a fucking six episode Christmas web series. I, I just don't even know. <laughs> Didn't he say he was like not wanting to do this anymore? I I think maybe. So I think they just gave. I no. I remember they were at one point. It was reported that he may or may not be involved in the series and a lot of the fans want him kicked out because he's a piece of shit right did he life. like beat up his he beat up somebody or something like that yeah yeah he's a piece of shit in real life and so a lot like most of the fans uh reaction like the disney fans themselves are like just mad that he's uh in it um you know they they were they were able to get Gina Carano kicked out of Mandalorian. Yeah. These same fans, but now That's they the have thing, to though. tell us how That's good Hawkeye is now. But they but they uh, but they they feel like they got they got Gina Carano out. But really, Gina Carano got herself out. You know what I mean? Like Gina Carano, like nothing ever. No one ever cared about any of the people yelling about Gina Carano, except for maybe Gina Carano. But like she just ended up posting shit that went a little bit too far for Disney. Like Disney won wants to have conservative actors working for them. They definitely want the money of the like, you know, 40 plus percent people uh, in this country that like consider themselves conservatives. Like the problem with Gina Carano is that she was just posting too much. Yeah. All right. So, Jack, we've been talking about movie trailers. Let's talk about a movie. Big movie. Everyone is talking sure. about Whew. James Wan. James Wan maybe goes there. Wild, wild movie. James Wan is out of his fucking mind. I think. (laughs) Well, well, look. So James Wan's *Malignant* on HBO Max. You're seeing all the ads everywhere. Everyone's talking about it, not knowing what to make of it. Uh, Very. Look. So James Wan, known for *Fast and Furious*, *Saw* series, all over. Conjuring. I feel like. Anytime I watch James Wan, something that James Wan is doing, like, how would I describe Malignant? Like, Saul. Saul, to me, sounds like, the premise sounds like a fake horror comic book that would appear in an episode of SVU. Right? Like, it's Uh not quite, like, it doesn't have all the parts there to be a fully-fledged thing, (laughs) but it sounds really cool and badass on first glance. And I think that applies to Malignant, too. It really feels like the type of comic book, if you break down the story, because it's almost like the, the like this revenge, like superhero thing, it's, as well as like a horror so movie I, as well. But it's, but it's, it's it, that's my first pass at him. But what James Wan was trying to do and what confused a lot of people is he was trying to make what's called a giallo film, which is a Italian uh, horror movie started in the late 60s, early 70s. So I'll talk about a bit more a little bit, but it's a very particular genre that combines mm. like 
crime with noir and um like there's always like they're said in like fashion houses a lot of the horror movies are and they're very dirty very erotic very violent a very strange film i think maybe the closest america got to embracing them was maybe the 90s erotic thrillers you know like Mm -hmm. a basic instinct or something some of the palma films uh, have elements of it but james wan just dropped this on all the people who just are expecting to see like ghost movies and the conjuring and the reaction has been so interesting we should we should i guess we should say that we're gonna be doing spoilers for malignant right we're gonna and it is a movie that you don't want to know the spoilers and so if you do care well I'll, i'll say this i'll say this if you are a fan of the genre and horror of giallo and horror you're probably gonna be figure it out pretty early on what's going on but if wow, this is not me yeah if this is something new to you you won't see the kind of wild twist coming but that's why i'm interested in talking uh with you about jack because you told me that you really liked it i did like the movie and i haven't seen these giallo movies and yeah i ended up kind of i'm like you know james wan he's the aquaman guy um great he's, movie you know the conjuring guy i mean i like aquaman that's what i'm saying i like he he's done a couple of the fast and furious lesser fast and furiouses um, <laughs> but he's done aquaman the conjurings i think are fun yeah this movie it is i think in a way that works i mean listen for the first like little bit of the movie it is very much just like a very sort of comp- competent james wan ish you know ghost movie pretty much like i think that the acting is pretty good you know it feels very sort of slick and sort of modern universal movie ish or whatever and there's always gonna be the kooky music cues like there was a time when they were going up to like this old you know like uh, uh insane asylum and it's like thunder in the background and of course james wan is playing like he reminds me of paul ws anderson actually in a way oh, yeah. that i like to be honest with you oh but it the music cues, paul... you, you don't want to skip over that music cue because it is i think where is my mind like a remix yeah where's my mind yeah play. it's a remix it's like of where theme. is my mind it's like a dubstep remix of it it's just so james wan ish just to begin with you know uh and it is like very modern looking but man i think that it does transcend and it's reveal at the end okay for for the first like part of the movie it feels like very much just like a sort of traditional kind of like ghost story movie but there are these kind of weird scenes that don't reckon with the rest of what that story is um and so you know for the first portion, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm just watching a conjuring. You know what I mean? This is like pretty like stylistic and, you know, make some weird choices using a lot of electronica music and intense shots and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, well, I like the Paul W.S. Anderson-ness of this. I like this feeling a little bit like, you know, I don't know, populist or something. Like it's not really trying to be like high art or something like that. But when we get to what the reveal of this movie is, and now is the time when you should turn away for spoilers, which is that our main character, like who's been being haunted by what seems like a ghost or something, is doing all these killings of people that, you know, were at a an asylum with them or whatever. She realizes that it's her imaginary friend she had when she was a little kid. 
and then finds out that when she when she was a kid, she had like a malignant like tumor person that grew out the back of her head, like basically like a malignant like conjoined twin who would like have like look was a little like baby who would like talk to her and make noises and have its arm you know go have its arms go around like an evil little monster was attached like facing backwards from her body um and then we get to a point and i basically it got it got released again because her head got cracked by her abusive boyfriend and so we get to a scene where the monster it's like actually coming out of the back of her face and we find out that the monster has been like her walking backwards the entire time and i'll tell you what leslie we then we get some good fight sequences which i really liked seeing the actresses like asleep impassive face on the back of this monster it just is so bizarre and good i really liked it a lot yeah that sequence remind me a lot of uh, junji ito a lot of junji ito yeah you see elements of that in here the walking backwards the like the weirdness the cracking the bones to put them backward very weird stuff but here's the thing about the movie for me and there was a lot of cool stuff and a lot of stuff i liked but ultimately it just fails to hold up like aesthetically like the majority of this movie looks like like a soap opera is brightly lit it's like he had there's this great set the police like uh, where the uh, the uh, police station is this wild set that you would see in like seven or like a 90s like gothic you know cop movie mm-hmm. right but it's so brightly lit and this you you get none of that sense you get nothing from that set it's it very modern boring. in the way it looks yeah which is and the aesthetic Jalo is all about the aesthetic it's all about the vibes it has to look it has to just look as beautiful as it is like as violent and i'm sorry he just really dropped the ball in in about half this movie and those are all the parts where like they're explaining what happens uh in the movie so like i don't know there's a version this movie i might like better with like a little bit less exposition but man, it, like, or just one that was like shot on film or lit well or something. Like, I, I don't know. Like the the promotional materials for this make the film look like very much in line with Giallo's aesthetic and the care put into it. I just don't know how they didn't put that care into actually making like all of the movie. Some of the movie, yes, but a, a significant portion of the movie just looks like garbage and it's like and was hard to get through. It looked like a lifetime movie. It definitely has a modern look to it, and I think James Wan's stuff just in general has a sort of very modern and sort of flatly lit look to it. I I just, it did work for me, and I I felt like, you know, up until the reveal, everything was moving at such like a, I was like, okay, this is like perfectly solid, like a perfectly solid modern horror movie, and then I do feel like the reveal and the fights and stuff after the reveal like really did it for me, and I'm like, damn, I want to see Gabriel again, backwards man (laughs) Gabriel showing up, popping out of the back of this lady's head, (laughs) like, like back of her head Hulk or something like that. But if you got into Malignant and you want to see more in this genre and without the sheeny, shiny modern look, I got some recs for you, all right? Okay, what's that? So I've talked about Fulci a lot, right? So mm. you, uh, his, my favorite film from him is the Lovecraftian horror, uh, The Beyond, but he's also a legend when it comes to Giallo. He's done some great, great stuff. Let me pull up my nose, sorry. My camera's in the front of my screen. <laughs> Let me see. 
All right, so uh, you got lizard in the woman's skin, as well as the one I really like is murder rock because it's like it's like a rock musical slash slasher movie, very wow. bizarre. Uh, Don't torture a duckling, also by him, one of the most brutal movies because it's about like a serial killer that's hunting children, and it's just as like ridiculous and swacky as like a malignant. Um, you have Mario Bava, Bay of Blood, uh, Blood and Black Lace, Argento. Uh, my favorite from his is Tenebre, which is about uh, uh, which you know if you liked the twist and the turns and not knowing who the killer is, Tenebre is a good one, as well as Deep Red. Um, De Palma's De, Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill, bit problematic, very good movie, bit problematic. You can hey, look bit problematic. Do you, do you know? Bit problematic. Sometimes things are a bit problematic. Yeah. Uh, some modern stuff. Uh, might have seen uh, Nicholas Winding reference Neon Demon and Barbarian Sound System. So there's lots of good uh, Jallo out there. I would definitely, if you if you liked Malignant, which was kind of like a, a really kind of not as great looking version of it, there's tons of wild shit out there that you can see. That's really fun. Cool. Well, uh, uh, I'm gonna have to check some of that out because I actually had a good time, you know, watching this James Wan one, and I'm. It's made me feel like okay, I'm gonna keep an eye out for James Wan movies, you know, between like especially an original because I'm like, you know, Aquaman went a lot harder than it had to, and it's unfortunate there was a lot of the, the quippy stuff did not work for me uh, uh, in Aquaman, but all the action did. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I might be keeping an eye out a little more for, for James Wan moving into the future. All right. And our last second for the day, uh, one we have to do because people have been asking me about this. People Like people literally DM me to explain this, even though I was trying to explain it to people. They were still confused. OK, they did. I'm confused. So you'll have to explain it to I'll me. Explain it to you. What is going on? I'll explain to you why you're supposed to hate uh, stand up comedian John Mulaney. I'm supposed to be mad at John Mulaney po- or something? Yes. Now, Jack, what are your feelings about John Mulaney just before any of this? There's no wrong answers here. You don't have to be afraid. I just don't care that much, to be totally honest with you. You know, um, John Mulaney, I understand that he's funny and everybody says that he's funny. A lot of people like his stand up and stuff like that. I always found it a little bit like, I don't know, I find his stage presence a little bit corny and cloying a little bit. Um, and, you know, I always thought of it as, you know, he's a very family friendly guy or whatever. Yeah, there we go. Well, I think all of that's pretty fair, except for the family friendly stuff. Jack, okay. if you actually sit down and li- watch a John Mulaney stand up, he mostly he spends a lot of time talking about like I'm um, doing cocaine and not and oh, like he does. Yes. Is that true? Yes. Yes. He's like like. The thing I'm surprised by that. Yeah, his um, getting blackout drunk at uh, graduation, all this sort of shit. When he was 13, when he was a child, you know, like okay. he's been smoking since he was 13. So, and he talks in his set about how I didn't his, know that he talks about that in his yeah, stand up, and he talks about the conflict of it. He's a smart comedian. He talks about like, yeah, I look like this, but like. I'm not this. This is this is how I just get away with all this shit. Um, mm-hmm. And he t- and I've always been a fan of him. I actually think he's very funny. Like I I I was the same as you. I thought he was all gonna be very family friendly, but then I watched him. It's like, oh no, this shit is actually kind of funny and edgy because he's like a dirtbag. <laughs> hmm. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. I've only seen, I guess, the stuff on um like 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 late night and stuff like that, which always felt like kind of wordplay-ish to me. Like he was kind of doing a, a Seinfeld thing. Yeah. 
And also, I did hate the show when he yeah, did his show Seinfeld was ripoff show. Everybody thinks that the was show awful. Was, everybody knows the show was bad. He thinks the show yeah. was bad. And, you know, he, but, you know, he's, he was a stand-up comedian. And I think he was one of the better, is one of the better. Jesus Christ, I just refer like he died. Like he's just been canceled. He's only been canceled. He has not He's died. only been canceled. Uh, but he's. I always appreciate him. And I was a pretty big fan of his. But I, when it was announced that he was a divorce, he was getting a divorce from his wife. And it was like national news i was perplexed because i had no idea that anyone gave a shit who john mulaney was even as a fan of his stand-up i was surprised that like because his wife was not famous uh, as well and it was just mm-hmm. big news story and it kept and and like people were very like upset at him for like leaving uh splitting with his wife and this came after he had struggled with addiction had a, a you know a fairly you know like he he would you know do shows like high and people knew he was doing shows while he was high like going on NBC high you know late night high and mm-hmm. people were and like he had the kind of and all his celebrity fans he did say he did not do that one appearance high that's oh, what was said is that that one weird appearance that was, and I actually believe that I believe he was not high but I think he was like fucked up and like hung over yeah. that reads to me <laughs> as more like hung over can't get your shit together than actually going out high if you go out high. You're gonna have a good time and do very, very well. <laughs> yeah. To the point being that he was just he's just like a guy. He's just like another comedian. Yeah. Yes, he wears a suit, but he's just like any of these anybody else, you know. He but what I found out recently and why this became such a big news story about him splitting foot with his wife is that he became very popular on a little website called Tumblr around mm. 2014. And gifs of him, you know, doing his stand up and the cute bits that you reference, right? That cloying shit. Tumblr ate that up without, uh. without you know, looking into the skits about him doing cocaine and you know all this other shit, right? Like they separate, like they created this version of John Mulaney that they really liked. That was just this clean gut cut right. white comedian and right. his wife who was you know look you know she's kind of like this you know she's kind of cool she's she seems cool she's the type of person that like people will glom onto and follow as like an influencer and so they kind of made they did the, the tumblr fans cr- started shipping them which is mm-hmm. where you when you're like i love their relationship you love their relationship yes it. they so they start treating them exactly like the twilight characters except these are real life human <laughs> beings they it's would true. go to like their social media pages they would post stuff like oh a picture of like my wedding oh one year ago i got married to this wonderful person you know the same type of post you or i or anybody else would make but then yeah. on tumblr it would they would post it with like three thousand reposts like oh my god i wish i had a love like this like the most basic like wow. stuff so they turned it all they so they turned up this parasocial stuff like sure. to a thousand with them and what turns out like you know i said this started in 2014 seven years later all those people on tumblr who were writing about their obsession with john mulaney where do you think they're writing now they're (laughs) writing on newspapers and for all these little websites (laughs) and these celebrity gossip websites and even vox.com uh we'll get into the article in a second but the reason why like it felt like there was so much talk and discussion because these this was an influential sort of thing that caught the rest of us off guard because we didn't know that these people have fallen in love with the idea of the john mulaney relationship and if you just watch his stand-up like he didn't even refer to his 
his wife by name. Like one, th- the most famous line he said about her was like, "My wife is a bitch, and I like her so much." I I don't think, <laughs> and it was a joke. It was a joke. It was all jokes, and most people understand that a comedian, even when he's talking about his real life, is talking about characters that he's making. Right? That's not their real right. relationship. So the strange thing is, even if you were following the fictional story of John Mulaney's relationship, that's, that's not, not what he was building. Yeah, that's not what he was right. not. It was a very like he had a bit where yeah. let's just call like by the cow because all his friends were telling him not to marry his girlfriend. I was theorizing earlier that I think and this is probably not everybody and maybe I'm wrong about this entirely, but I think some people have conflated Thomas Middleditch and John Mulaney <laughs> in their minds. They want to hang John Mulaney for like getting a divorce and then getting to get uh, with Olivia Munn. Like in your, just entering a different relationship after you know his life as he talked about on the stand up and yeah. obvious was not the happiest before this you know like and he right. and he just he had to do like an appearance on NBC where he talked very openly with uh what, what's his face Seth because they're like best friends yeah. um I saw that in yeah. real life and and they talked about the intervention and all this stuff and he seemed like really good but then Vox uh, after this appearance uh, Vox dot com writes an article. And I'm not going to name the writer because, um, you know, not... Vox wrote an article. Uh, Vox published an article, I should say. And the title of it is, John Mulaney was performing a role all along. Parasocial mm. relationships aren't to blame for the John Mulaney, Olivia Mimon pregnancy discourse. Uh, now, it's a, it's a r- rather long... It's or- not my fault that I'm mad. Yes. It's, <laughs> that's more or less the argument. The argument makes, you know... Counter, a counterfactual argument that John Millay presented himself as this clean-cut comedian who was this, that, and the other, when obviously if you watch his skits, as I just told you, like that's not what he promoted himself as. Like The show he's most famous for is the show about like 12-year-olds like fucking, right? Like like He's like, like uh, with Big Mouth on Netflix. Like He's not like a clean guy, and all his friends are like weirdos too. Like That's not what he really was trying to sell people. But on this Tumblr discourse, and I and the person who wrote this article comes from that milieu. Uh, the idea is that John Mulaney was just lying to people about how in love he was with his wife, and if he really loved her, he never would have left her like that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Very bizarre, and I don't know how something like this like gets published where you blame a guy who's just like gone through you know this horrific period in his life where he thought he was you know he was going through like serious addiction problems he's he's now he's entering this happier moment in his life and like they're calling to him him account because in his stand-up he talked about not wanting to have kids but now he is having a kid in real life and they're like how dare you sir make that joke seven years ago about not wanting to have kids and then change your mind later same people who are mad about um, John Mulaney's relationship probably also thought that the guy from Blue's Clues talking to them uh, was very, very powerful. You know, I think people just uh, have a tough time separating, you know, uh, uh, the, the characters they see on screen. You know, I don't know. Uh, people, I don't know. <laughs> I just like, I do think people need to get over it. If if I was going to say anything like about Mulaney, you, all it would be is like catty shit about like, well, 
I don't know if this will work out, but I don't even give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, that's really how I feel about John Mulaney's, you know, relationship stuff is yeah. that I'm like, I don't really like care enough to have an opinion about it. To be honest like, with you. Even though I do think all this surrounding stuff is is really bizarre and interesting. Yeah. All right, folks. That was Struggle Session. Have a good one. Peace. Later. Later.